0: Good afternoon. It's Monday, the 26th of April 2021, just after one o'clock. Welcome to UK Column News. Your host today, Mike Robinson, myself, Brian Gerrish. What can we say? We are utterly delighted and overwhelmed at the support we've had from our UK Column audience following Friday's special news programme and our appeal. Uh, It's been truly wonderful to see the support coming in. And it's been everything because we've had more subscribers, we've had some donations, and we've had emails with people thanking us for what we've been doing. We've, pe- we've had people offering their time and professional capability. And what else can we say, really?
1: It certainly gives us a decent foundation to uh, build from from this point. So this is really fantastic.
0: So we're going to say there will be more announcements on what this means for us and what we're going to be trying to do. And we can only do this because of this tremendous help that's come in from our UK column audience. So thank you very much. And some people took it upon themselves to send emails to Vimeo, which was uh, wonderful. Let's uh, bring this one up on screen. Uh, so we've got Hilary who said, Dear all at Vimeo, UK Column is a high quality current affairs broadcasting service, offering sources and programme notes to support their findings. In this, it is unique and it stands alone in providing exceptional quality of broadcasting that is not available anywhere else. To ban it is to silence truth. Do you want to be responsible for this dereliction of professional standards in broadcasting services for the public? which ultimately reduces all news to propaganda. Uh, thank you very much for that one, Hillary. And um, a big thank you to Jean James for this one. My colleagues and I are horrified to learn that Vimeo is removing from its website legitimate videos produced by UK Column News. These w- videos do not violate any known law. Vimeo is therefore discriminating against UK Column News for no legitimate reason and is in violation of freedom of expression laws. UK Column News is a highly acclaimed, valuable, legitimate and professional news and news analysis programme with a vast international audience. Freedom of the press media is legally protected by the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. We request that you please cease from censoring this programme immediately. Vimeo's actions against UK Column News are adversely affecting Vimeo's reputation worldwide. It does not make good business sense, therefore, to continue to persecute and discriminate against UK Column News in this way. Well, we are going to say thank you very much, UK Column viewers, for everything you've done, reacting in the way you have, and also for getting stuck in and sending out some emails like the ones we've just shown you.
1: Uh, and just to bring you up to date, Vimeo uh, did take Friday's news program down within, uh, well, certainly within 12 hours of it uh, going up. Some people were watching it as it was brought down and uh, were <laughs> disappointed to find that it, uh, it stopped halfway through. Yes. Um, so uh, uh, we are uh, on the other platforms that we'll talk about in a l- little bit. Uh, but why don't we move on then to, uh, of course, what happened over the weekend in London, an absolutely phenomenal response from people uh, protesting lockdown and other things. I thought this uh, image from uh, our man on the ground there, and thank you very much to to him for uh, everything that he did over the weekend, Um, really summed it up. Freedom is what uh, people were calling for. Now, uh, of course, the mainstream press, I wonder how they covered it. Well, let's look at the BBC first. Uh, Well, this is how the BBC covered it, Brian.
0: Yes. Yes, with with utter silence. And people called us over the weekend. People were calling us on Saturday in disbelief that the BBC was simply not covering hundreds, hundreds of thousands of people in London.
1: Uh, So let's just have a look at uh, who was actually out over the weekend. This is uh, from um, our correspondent uh, in London, who went up to London for this uh, to cover it for us. And uh, The the number of people is just spectacular, I have to say. I haven't seen this sort of number of people perhaps since the uh, Iraq war protests.
0: Yes, well, estimates vary, but the general consensus is many hundreds of thousands. Some people are saying as many as half a million people. We can't be sure, but we know Oxford Street was packed. And as we'll be seeing in just a moment, the embankment was packed. Uh, So certainly we're dealing in hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. And of course, it was just wonderful, all ages, all colors, all backgrounds, everybody mixing very peaceably. And people were remarking on how wonderful the whole atmosphere was. So people making their voices felt about uh, COVID, uh, lockdown, the vaccine program, uh, being totally peaceful, well behaved filling the capital city here in UK and the British Broadcasting Corporation, which takes £5 billion from the public purse, simply said nothing. What an insult from the BBC, if people want to deal in terms of how insulting the BBC can be. Let's have a look at crowds on the embankment here in this little video clip. Um, This was sent through to me, so I can't thank the person, I'm not quite sure who it was who produced this but I'm going to say, if you know who you are or you know who the person is, please let us know and we'll thank them accordingly. Uh, There was audio with this clip and you can hear a very distinct noise of this crowd as they moved along. And you can tell by the depth of that noise that this was a great many thousand people. So just remarkable that the BBC, which of course tries to sell it itself across the world as being the come-to, source of truth and accurate reporting simply censored. This is propaganda at its
1: worst, Mike. Um, People expressing themselves in many, many ways. Uh, Thank you to the person who uh, was using the white umbrella. Uh, Say no no to fear and yes to love was the message, Uh, but they're also promoting the UK Column News. Here. Uh, Somebody promoted uh, bringing out the statistics of the yellow card reports. I thought this was a a very good thing as well. Now, uh, it's not fair to say that the BBC. Sorry, did you want to?
0: Well, I wanted to comment on this because there were a lot of people who were carrying placards, Mike, with factual information on it. Uh, When I went to see how the mainstream had coped with this, I did find one Sky reporter who. He he spoke to a couple of people in the protest as they walked past, but he, he clearly was not interested in understanding why they were there and what they were concerned about. He he sort of engaged them and then they moved off. And then he came in with a snide comment that these people were sort of didn't really know what they were doing. It was very uh rude and demeaning. So this seems to be the attitude by the the main
1: mainstream
0: old media companies. Um,
1: So Saturday, uh, UK column, uh, sorry, Saturday, the BBC didn't uh, report anything on this Sunday morning, they hadn't reported anything on this by Sunday afternoon, this article appeared on the BBC News Hyde Park police attacks at anti lockdown protest protest condemned. As you read down through the text of this, it doesn't really talk about the condemnation uh, of the police attacks. uh, Because one way you would read that uh, headline is that the police had attacked. And certainly if you'd seen any of the video footage, that is, and we're gonna show a little bit of it in a second, uh, that is what happened. But actually what the headline is saying was the, pol- the attacks on the police. Condemned, who condemned them? Well, Pretty Patel did, here she is. I condemn the senseless violence. So apparently the protesters were uh, senselessly violent against the police. Uh, can I just
0: stop you there, Mike? Because earlier on in, in the uh, chat box, um, somebody said, "Do we know who um, who lent on Vimeo? Who who lent on YouTube?" And I think we can say with quite some confidence that uh, the ultimate pressure on UK Column came from the UK Column and that the light like, government. That, sorry, came from the the UK government and uh, the signature that was probably uh, on. Uh, the uh, documents which uh, suggested we were to be put under pressure would have come under the signature of this lady. So we're hoping for more information on that. And we'd like to thank people, I'll say at the Westminster end that have been talking to us.
1: Yes. Okay. So she condemns the senseless violence of the uh, protesters. Uh, let's see who else have we got here. Professor Stephen Riker from SpyBee uh, said, anti-lockdown protesters who touch, shout and shun masks or at the very least, a potential risk of sh- spreading coronavirus. He said if they explicitly ignore restrictions, if they reject masks, stand close together, touch, shout, and sing, uh, then going back to first, first principles, there is likely to be a risk. So, no singing, absolutely no singing. Brian can't do that. Uh, moreover, the mass uh, election rallies in India is one explanation for the huge <laughs> rise of cases in India. So, so. <laughs> You know, yeah, the, sorry, this, I can't this, stop
0: laughing. This is so bizarre. These people are are just off their heads. They're no longer functioning properly. Well, con- well, well. In cognitive. fairness to
1: him, though, uh, it's not clear from the BBC article. You know, they could have taken cl- uh, clips from what he said and put them together in a particular way. It just staggered me. So let's just quickly summarize what the message of this article was. Uh, first of all, there was a small protest. Uh, there was disgraceful violence by thuggish protesters. And this kind of disgraceful behaviour will result in an India style disaster. That was the message that the BBC uh, was trying to put out. Um, So, Brian, what was the truth?
0: Well, the truth has come out of um, a a particular video that's appeared on the internet, which is GB resistance. Now, this was sent through to us by a great many people. Uh, It was about 11 minutes uh, long, which is a little bit too long for the UK Column News. So We've cut it down, but we'd like to say thank you very, very much to the person who made the video because it's so informative, but also to the people that sent it through to us. So we've divided this into two clips. Let's watch one. Um, how does it start off? Well, as you will clearly see, people enjoying themselves in a very wonderful and peaceful way in Hyde Park in London, in the sunshine, until the police arrive. Let's see what happened. <laughs>
1: Okay. You can sing you All right, okay. uh, let's take you to Alex.
0: So quite an incredible clip there Um, that is shorter than real time. So you need to go and have a look at that GB resistance video to see it. This is just the first part we're going to show you. And of course, everything totally peaceful there until the police simply barged in. What were those people doing? Just enjoying themselves in the sunshine. And then the police go in, but the crowd are not having it. And you see the police uh, steadily pushed back. Uh, until you get to the point where there's a sort of standoff the police have formed that line and a wide spectrum of responses from the public you've got outright aggression from some people clearly enraged at what the police have done you've got other people trying to calm the situation down and we say to those people well done they were trying to police the crowd themselves there were a lot of ladies doing really good work trying to keep the crowd calm But then eventually the mood of that crowd was that they simply weren't going to have it. And they then started to move up against the police. And let's see what happened when that crowd said, no, we're not going to have this.
1: the police did is that not called kettling? Uh, that's that's
0: true but a lot of uh, things here obviously you could see in in that clip that one of the policemen had sustained quite a quite a significant cut on his forehead that was probably from a, th- a thrown beer can uh, one of the other police ladies we saw hurt. but the police were laying into that crowd with their batons so we don't know the inju- injuries which resulted as that But so many questions to be asked here as to why police were sent into the crowd in that fashion. And uh, there were several of the officers were actually surrounded by the crowd at one point. And this is one of the most dangerous things that can happen to the police. And they will certainly have been told in their riot or crowd control training that they must never get surrounded by the crowd. Why is that? Because... If you're one or two individuals surrounded by a crowd, the next thing that happens is you are punched and kicked to the ground, and the likelihood is you will be killed by that crowd. So absolutely appalling, um,
1: police,
0: police, yeah, policing by the police. The procedures were disgraceful, and uh, I think Mike, you've got another little clip here. Uh, Well, well,
1: I know that's that's later on, uh, a
0: little bit later on. Okay, we'll come to that in a minute. But clearly a lot of questions to be asked, because I think that many of those uh, police constables were very lucky to get away as they did with a crowd that simply chased them out of the park. So we think that there's a lot of questions to be asked of uh, senior police officers as to why they allowed their team to get into this predicament. But of course, the police caused the problem in the first place
1: um so where does that take us
0: uh i thought we were coming into the uh Singing, the,
1: well the, these two
0: um, no this this that that's the second of the two clips there so we're right. just moving on okay, to so this so, one here. so yes yeah. right
1: so this is the this is the key point then because uh, our our roving reporter uh gave us this little bit of video as well um and the first thing to note about the police of course they're not riot police they're simply there they've got their their uh, truncheons, and they've got their yellow vests, but they don't have any uh, protective gear at all. And they've been sent into that, uh, into the, the park to, to what? Remove 200,000 people?
0: Uh, well, I, no, I think it was simpler than that. I think they were sent in the park to go and get the sound equipment that that little group was was using. That was essentially a snatch squad. They thought they were going to walk in there. They were going to take the amplifiers maybe they were going to lift somebody who was singing because clearly they've organised a a major demonstration. So that's what was sent in, I think, as a snatch squad, effectively. But they're in their white shirts and caps and yellow vests. So the police are trying to make out that they've got their nice heads on and they're sent in. And what they simply fail to understand is the police reputation now across the country is so poor that that crowd was going to react in that way. So I think a lot of senior police in London um, should be hauled over the coals for putting their officers at risk. Uh,
1: and I think their officers were put at risk. Yeah,
0: great, great risk. Mark. Uh,
1: but nonetheless, the crowd behaved uh, as well as anybody could expect. Uh, but this was the article that the BBC chose to put up. So we are giving that uh, the fake news Uh, title, because, uh, frankly, that uh, article was a disgrace. Priti Patel's reaction was a disgrace as well. Now, the fact that they didn't report uh, on Saturday, uh, and didn't give any honest report at all, um, Dr. Claire Craig tweeting this out today, you can complain to the BBC about their failure to cover the lockdown protest uh, on the news here. So if you look for that tweet, uh, and there's a link to the uh, BBC complaints page, um, I think as cynical as as most of us would be about whether that uh, is a useful uh, use of our time, I think it is when the numbers are there, Brian.
0: Yes. And of course, the police didn't go near the hundreds of thousands of people in London because they knew perfectly well what would happen with crowds of that size. So. Um, in a way, the government entrapped people by allowing the London protest to go ahead. Why didn't the BBC report it? Because the BBC, working hand in glove with the government, wanted to make this effectively an invisible event. Mm. So you don't police it, you don't report it on the BBC, you just allow the public to play in London. But the viciousness was still there, as we saw with those police. Now, we decided to take the BBC on this morning, so... I got onto the BBC's press team number uh, to see if I could get an answer as to why the BBC uh, hadn't reported on the demonstrations in London. This was my follow up email. Uh, So the gentleman I was uh, I spoke to was called Fola. He didn't like the fact that I recorded the call. I've decided not to play out the call until we see what the BBC says. But this is the email that I sent immediately following my discussion with him. Please find my email following our discussion a few minutes ago. On Saturday, the 24th of April, hundreds of thousands of people peacefully protested against COVID lockdown and other associated issues in London. Despite the vast numbers, the peaceful nature of the gathering and the concerns held by the families and crowds, the BBC failed to report events to the wider UK public. On Saturday and Sunday, I received many calls from members of the public shocked that the BBC had either failed to report or was deliberately censoring reports of the demonstrations via BBC media channels. To date, it would appear there have been no significant reports by the BBC regarding this massive, peaceful demonstration. And this was my key question, which the the, uh, gentleman promised he was going to get a response to. You've promised me a response to my question, which is, Why did the BBC funded by some five billion of public money not report to the fee paying public a peaceful protest against COVID lockdown in London on Saturday, the 24th of April, which involved hundreds of thousands of people from all races, colours, ages, religions and backgrounds? My deadline is 12 o'clock today. Thank you for your assistance. I look forward to the formal BBC response. Well, of course, what was the response from the BBC by 12 o'clock? A stunning silence. And I would say don't waste your time uh, submitting a complaint to BBC complaints. The hundreds of thousands of people who were in London should be um, knocking down the doors of their MPs asking why the BBC has done this. Uh, You should be going to your MPs in the first instance to ask questions in Parliament about what the BBC is doing. And secondly, just go online and look for the BBC's press and media contact numbers and call those numbers because those are the numbers that they use to interact with other media channels, except the UK column, of course, because they never reply to us. But the public should call into the BBC direct and simply circumvent the the BBC complaints Uh, system because it's not a waste of time.
1: Um, But uh, the BBC may not have published any articles about it, but their disinformation journalist was uh, commenting.
0: Well, again, thank you to uh, one of our viewers that flagged this up. uh, The lady's Marianna Spring. Uh, She was on her uh, Twitter channel uh, talking about the protests and let's let's blow it up so we can see it. Uh, She said anti-lockdown protesters predominantly organized in telegram channels promoting conspiracy theories about vaccines and pandemic are marching in central London. There are placards claiming COVID is a hoax, the experimental vaccine kills, and the QAnon save our children. So this disgusting woman, I'd like to put it stronger, but we're not allowed to on the UK column. Utter contempt for hundreds of thousands of people, most of them pretty well informed, from what we were, were hearing. Uh, but this is the BBC's um, disinformation specialist. What an! Well, she's ap-
1: certainly a specialist at pumping out disinformation. Though, oh,
0: what a, what a woman! A disgraceful woman. So, if you feel as outraged as we do about what she's had to say about the public, get onto her Twitter uh, channel and tell her what you think of her. Um, This is the only way to deal with this utter contempt uh, for the UK public. And on a happier note, uh, we don't know who this young lady is, uh, but we're going to say thank you very much for your banner, because to research, she's telling people to go to the UK Column News. So thank you very much for that.
1: Um, Okay, if you uh, like what we do and you're not yet a member, then please uh, do join us, ukcolumn.org forward slash community, and uh, you'll be very welcome. Uh, And of course, share material that you find on the various platforms. That would be fantastic as well. Uh, Now, some updates, uh, some news on David Noakes, Brian.
0: Yes. uh, Well, I have to say that sometimes I'm able to speak to David Noakes, even though he's in prison. Uh, We were able to get a call in with him uh, today. I haven't been able to speak to David Noakes for uh, a few weeks, uh, but he was able to tell me that he's now Still in prison, of course. He has to serve another one year and two months of a four-year sentence that he was given a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but what he stressed to me was that his defense team simply failed to present a defense in court because they failed to show any of the scientific documents and scientific and research papers showing that GC Math had, had very positive results uh, when applied in, in certain uh, medical cases. So David Noakes at the moment will be appealing this, uh, but I know he's finding it extremely hard. Uh, He says he's not even allowed a French-English dictionary uh, to try and cope with the language problem, nor will they give him a Bible. So he said that at the moment he's feeling very down, but he does want to say to the UK Column audience and all the other people that have supported uh, him and Lynn Thayer, thank you very much for all your support. It's one of the things that's kept him going. And uh, this one here is uh, really from Alex Thompson. Alex has been working extremely hard uh, to help a lady looking to get belongings to uh, a young boy over into the Netherlands. If you go on the UK column website, look for this article, COVID, I will not comply by Alex Thompson Eastern Approaches. And the little sub headline there is a mother and son flee sorry a mother and son flee Britain for fear of compulsory vaccination, and a fundraiser has been set up which you can find here on Just Giving. Um, they're looking to raise five thousand pounds. At the moment, it's standing at seventy. Uh, we will be helping with this later today, but I'm going to ask our viewers please help on this. It seems a very minor little case, but actually at the end of the day, uh, each of these cases need as much help as they can get. Here's the web address for the Just Giving page. Uh, if we can give this mother and her vulnerable son some help, of course, ultimately, we're helping a lot of other people. Mm. And uh, Alex, uh, beg your pardon, David Scott has also been working hard, so he's got another interview Uh, with Tam Laird, the Scottish Libertarian Party um, candidate. Uh, So this is on Northern Exposure, and uh, this is coming out as a premiere on YouTube at uh, 8 o'clock tonight. So we'll encourage people to log on and see that. And of course, you can talk with other people or chat with other people while that's playing. And I also want to give a very big plug to this interview with Lisa Brackenridge, former nurse uh, that David did a few days ago. This is an extremely powerful interview uh, where this lady says some truly amazing and shocking things about what's been really going on in the NHS. And uh, we'll say compare her bravery with uh, what we're seeing around this buffoon, uh, who apparently is the British Prime Minister. Uh, But I'm very interested at the moment in the amount of... um, really fake news which is coming out so at a time when we've got people uh dying uh people in the hospital wrecked from uh vaccines uh what is the uh what what's the uh, red tops onto that there's been some spat in government i think this is a distraction it's a smokescreen, and it's to try and pull people's minds away from uh, the devastation that the vaccine policy is happening across the UK public.
1: Um, So a bit more. This is Reuters UK denies that Johnson said let the bodies pile high. So uh, what's the claim here? Uh, The claim is that Boris Johnson had made a comment saying no more effing lockdowns. Let the bodies pile high uh, in their thousands. Uh, Ben Wallace was on the uh, Radio 4 Today programme this morning. Uh, He was uh, saying it's not true. It's been categorically denied by practically everyone. It's gossip. Uh, We're getting into all sorts. We're getting into the sort of comedy chapter now of these gossip stories, uh, unnamed sources by unnamed advisors talking about unnamed events. The majority of the so-called news that's appearing in the uh, mainstream press at the moment is from unnamed sources and unnamed advisors. So for Ben Wallace to to, uh, make a comment like that is laughable. He said, none of this is serious. The prime minister has been utterly focused on delivering alongside cabinet colleagues, the response to COVID. Uh, uh, all the who said, what said, I'll leave that to the Oscars gossip calmness uh, that are now being ruled out today after last night. So, what's this really about? Well, as Brian says, distraction. But actually, there's quite a bit of behavioral psychology at work here. Uh, it's designed to increase fear in the public, the idea of bodies piled higher, fourth wave coming along this autumn. Uh, we've got threats of more lockdown this autumn. Uh, and it's, in fact, designed to encourage demands for more lockdown. So, people are supposed to be outraged that Boris would make a statement like, no more effing lockdowns, let the bodies pile that high in their thousands. Of course, the reaction that they expect from that is, no, we can't allow the bodies to pile high in their thousands, we must have another lockdown. So, uh, Spy b and the Behavioural Insights team at the work here, I think.
0: At their dirty work. And of course, remember that black door and number 10 was the door that Bill Gates was walking through, Uh, not so long ago in order to have secret meetings with Boris about how he could presumably maximise the profits on his vaccines. we we still got absolutely no minutes of those meetings released into the public domain.
1: Uh, David Scott tweeting this out today, laughing, emoji mocking vaccine concerns then dead within 48 hours. Uh, Another proof that informed consent is not happening. Manifestly, this lady was not uh, informed of the risks. Uh, And just to blow that up a little bit, so uh, a lady called Carol Knight tragically has passed away. She had uh, uh, tweeted on February the 12th, uh, yay, just had my first jab. And she was using one of the graphics provided by the government in order to do this. These are are available and on all the best social media platforms so that you can promote the fact that you've had your uh, vaccine. Uh, But sadly, she was gone uh, a couple of days later. Now let's uh, move on to India. Uh, And the BBC here uh, with this today Uh, COVID-19 in India, patients struggle at home as hospitals choke. And I thought this headline was pretty outrageous, because no matter what's going on in India at the moment, patients struggling at home is exactly what has been going on in the UK over the last 18 months. And we can show that uh, based on the excess mortality statistics from the Office for National Statistics. And uh, you've seen this graph many, many times, uh, that last summer, uh, the Levels of all-cause mortality were well below the five-year average in every location other than people's homes. Uh, The NHS having been uh, redeployed towards COVID only and everybody else being left uh, to their own devices. Um, So the BBC's headline absolutely hypocritical. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, let's move on. The Guardian here saying why India's worsening COVID crisis is a dire problem for the world. Uh, We've got the Times. Modi leads India out of lockdown into a COVID apocalypse. So the Times here attempting to associate uh, a removal of lockdown restrictions with a rise in COVID cases. That's important. We'll come on to that in a second. Uh, And here we've got Al Jazeera saying, why does India have so many uh, COVID cases? Well, how many does it have? What actually is going on here? Uh, Let's uh, see if we can uh, understand this a little bit better. So first of all, Uh, India's population 1.3 billion people Um, so whatever the numbers we've got to keep this in context here 1.3 billion people in the country so let's just have a look at what the numbers actually are they've currently got 17.3 million cases Uh, they've currently uh, had 195,123 deaths attributed to COVID-19 and currently 14.3 million recoveries So um, if you put that in the perspective of 1.3 billion people in the country, uh, then maybe that gives us a clue as to the scale of the thing. Um, So let's have a look at the number of active cases. And we can see that uh, they did have a peak sometime around September, October uh, last year. uh, And that has been steadily reducing uh, all the way until around the beginning of March or so. Now this is important. And look at how that number of active cases has gone absolutely exponential since uh, the end of February, the beginning of March. Uh, Now, having said that, let's look at the uh, cases versus recoveries. And we can find that uh, recoveries are tracking uh, the cases uh, very well, um, the same kind of trend. So it's not uh, that the Indian Health Service is totally uh, unable to maintain some kind of uh, uh, standard here. People are recovering from it. Sadly, some people are dying for sure. Um, and that's, But let's have a look at this graph because this is uh, the vaccination program, uh, vaccine doses delivered. Uh, and what we can see, now this is a different scale to the other graphs, so you've got to realize that in the uh, on the x-axis it is uh, much uh, a wider x-axis, so that the uh, the slope of the graph doesn't seem to be quite so steep as on the previous graphs, but actually Uh, there is a distinct correlation between the number of vaccines delivered and the rise of cases here. That is undeniable. Now, a correlation, of course, doesn't mean causation. Uh, We've got to say that, but uh, it does seem to be a massive coincidence. Uh, And so for anybody to be suggesting that this is because Modi has brought anybody out of lockdown is a ridiculous headline for the Times to run. Um, I would like to get uh, a, a decent... Uh, response to this allegation that it was vaccination that caused it.
0: Well, and the other place that people should start asking the questions is the MHRA data for uh, vaccine data uh, for this country, because if you look at Pfizer and AstraZeneca, uh, you will find that amongst the adverse reactions are the statement that the person had developed covid Uh, We know that the MHRA is simply not investigating any of its own yellow card reports. But it, it does seem there's a question to be asked. Is it that people are actually getting COVID via the vaccines? Now, no doubt there'll be an enraged BBC reporter saying, what a disgraceful question. But we're asking the question because we'd like to see the evidence put in front of us as to what is factually correct and what is not. It's not the onus on the UK column to produce the evidence. The onus is on the UK government to produce the factual evidence. And I'll repeat again, we now know for certain that the MHRA is simply not investigating its own yellow card reports. So when somebody says uh, my loved one had a vaccine and the next day they couldn't walk or the next day they were dead of a heart attack, uh, the MHRA is not sending in investigation teams to secure all the documentary evidence and find out what happened. Uh, they are simply sitting back and waiting to see if family members render a, a yellow card report. So it's, it's <laughs> I'm stammering because it's outrageous what is actually being done. The MHRA fully culpable here of not informing The British public of the seriousness of the vaccine adverse effects, and as we've just shown you, we've got David Noakes in prison largely as a result of the um, persecution by that very same MHRA over his work, where he was able to show benefits. So hypocrisy is is also lurking there.
1: Uh, Yeah, and Brian, just to just to finish this point off, one hundred ninety-five thousand deaths attributed to COVID nineteen in India. Tragic as that is. Uh, if we keep that in a bit of perspective, with 1.3 billion people, if we compare that to the UK population of uh, 60, let's say 68, 68 million in the UK, that would be equivalent to 10,000 deaths in the UK. So, um, you know, the, the headlines that are that are presenting uh, an Indian health service um, absolutely collapsing under the weight of this. Well, is that the case, or is it the case that actually the in many parts of India the health service um, is collapsing under the weight of, of day-to-day use, um, and uh, it's being presented in a particular way by the mainstream press. We've got to ask that question as well.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, mentioning France and David Noakes, um, I'd like to say that there are still many, many um, capable professional sites putting out information with concerns about vaccines. Life site here with a very good article, French Drug Assessment Centre, demands removal of all four widely used COVID vaccines. So encourage our viewers to go and have a look at that. Uh, So the warnings are coming out through social media uh, via fairly small media outlets who are putting out the scientific papers and asking the questions. Meanwhile, pure propaganda by the biggest of the media companies. And uh, let's turn to Sky News and uh, have a look at uh, this report from Sophie Ridge on Sunday. We've got a little video clip here. A little earlier this week, I spoke to the Microsoft co founder, Bill Gates. His organization, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, has so far committed around $1.75 billion to COVID 19 relief efforts around the world. The foundation is also involved in the Access to COVID Tools Accelerator, or Act A, which was set up to support the development and distribution of tests, treatments, and vaccines. The program is now on track to deliver 2 billion vaccine doses a year. Still a lot of work to do though. Uh, and When I spoke to Bill Gates this week, I asked him to explain what act a does and what it
1: has achieved in that first year.
2: Well, as the pandemic struck uh, a little over a year ago, there was a the realization that this was a global problem and that we needed to orchestrate resources on a global basis. And so uh, particularly the UK, France and Germany uh, came together with other actors like the WHO and our foundation and said, okay, what are the vehicles we can use? CEPI uh, was there to do vaccine research, GAVI to buy vaccines, Global Fund uh, for Therapeutics, including oxygen. And that's what Act a is. It's taking all of that uh, additional resources and coordinating it on a global basis. Uh, and so I'm, you know, it was super valuable that we did that uh, of course, you know, because we didn't prepare for this pandemic uh, nearly like we should have, you know, we've been learning as we've been going. Uh, but, you know, I'd say the good news is that uh, partly because of the FDA efforts, partly because of U.S. RMB money, we have the vaccines and we can see the, you know, the end will come uh, for this pandemic.
0: And mm. um, what would you say the, the big success has been in the 12 months?
2: Well, the therapeutic area uh, has scientifically not yielded as much as we would have liked. Uh, there was a trial in the UK, the FAIR trial that uh, we helped fund that came up with dexamethasone early on as a late-stage treatment. And fairly quickly, people realized that having oxygen was important. But we haven't had any dramatic therapeutics, unfortunately. The vaccine space is, is been amazing. Not only did we get them... Uh, very rapidly. Uh, now the volumes are getting up and we're using uh, factories in India and other places as a second source. So we're not just relying on the company that invented the vaccine, but for the first time ever, transferring exactly that vaccine into factories like at Serum or, or BioE uh, to get the capacity up so that you know we, we want to vaccinate uh, certainly all the elderly in the world and in most countries, we want to get to uh, over 80% vaccination. And so that's you know kind of mind-blowing, particularly when we, we did very little to prepare in advance.
0: So extraordinary interview there because the woman doesn't ask any question that needs to be asked. Um, we have Bill Gates being given free advertising uh, time by Sky. There's not a single question about adverse effects. There's not a single question about what the real evidence is to show that the vaccines are actually working if we want to go down that route um, towards believing any of the claims for the uh, efficacy of the vaccines themselves. So not a single testing question put to Bill Gates. He's simply paraded on Sky News as an expert, but he doesn't have a single um, professional qualification relevant to vaccines. And when he's he talks about the rollout of the vaccine, he start that was almost a giggle. Uh, he smiled, but his whole demeanor changed. It was all a bit of a joke. They weren't prepared properly uh, when, when the pandemic came. But don't worry, the vaccines have performed wonderfully. Well, we should try saying we're asking that question to the over a thousand people now dead. But the uh, Sky News interviewer simply does not ask a single question Penetrating question of Bill Gates. As somebody said, gates of hell, which I think is probably pretty appropriate. Uh, what's the BBC been doing? Well, um, several of our uh, viewers today have uh, one step ahead of us because they've already been talking about the fact they see the BBC now starting to promote vaccines for children. Uh, this is part of a, uh, a BBC Newsnight coronavirus vaccines and children. Uh, I just had to take a couple of screenshots out of this as Deborah Cohen did more or less what the Sky Lady did, which is started talking about vaccines without any form of critical analysis. She said, should we vaccinate our children against COVID? And if we should, then what is the reason for doing it? And that, of course, is the question that she fails to answer in her own program. She said this for the age groups currently being vaccinated, our scientific advice is that they're more likely to be made very sick from COVID than from the side effects of any of the vaccines. But since the, uh, since Newsnight or BBC in a wider sense, or Sky News, uh, is not doing any investigation into what the adverse effects are, uh, they can't possibly make this equation stack up, Mike.
1: Well, they can't make the equation stack, stack up anyway, because, uh, Uh, The all-cause mortality statistics deny that statement. (laughs) And
0: uh, she said this, but because the young get so much less sick from COVID, the balance of any benefit versus any potential harm is different. We have already seen this play out with which vaccines to give 18 to 30 year olds. So the issue is quantifying the harm of COVID to children. No, it's not. I mean, this is, this is just a crazy, a crazy statement when you you see what she's actually said there. The, the issue is of looking at the total risks to children and deciding whether any of these vaccines should be put near the children. But she doesn't discuss that at all. So what do I think the BBC is doing with some help from Deborah Cohen? They're softening up the wider public mind to the idea of getting vaccines for very, very young children. And uh, let's uh, emphasize the MHRA not doing its job. Uh, If you go onto the gov.uk website, you go through to the yellow card statistics, you will come up with this list of links which take you through to Pfizer, AstraZeneca, vaccine adverse profiles. There's now a new one which we've highlighted for you, which is the profile for Moderna. Uh, But strangely, if you try and get into that, uh, there's now some form of security gate, uh, when if you want Moderna data, they want your email. Now, you had some comments on this, I think. Well, right? we talked
1: about this on Friday, and, and some, a couple of people have sent a spreadsheet through to us, um, but I'm not entirely sure uh, how we actually confirm. I mean, I'm not disbelieving the people that sent the spreadsheet what? through to us by any means, but but how do we actually go back and check the, the source data? It's not, well, not well, possible. At this point.
0: It's not possible, but it's worse than that, because we have got some of that uh, spreadsheet. This is the this is the real thing. We can guarantee that. And uh, what it's saying is that uh, there's a total reaction at the moment recorded. Uh, the I was looking for the date on the screen for this. I think we're looking at the sixteenth
1: so of April. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, sixteenth of here. April. Yeah.
0: So we've got total reactions for the Moderna drug is 117. The total reports 44. Uh, But our eagle eyed researcher who went in, who did manage to get into this in the very early days, said, well, this is funny because if you look at the number of reports listed in the data, uh, we've got, uh, what is it? We've got 28 there. So not quite sure how this works. So we're going to say, what is actually taking place around the Moderna uh, data and why is the government so shy? of telling the public what's actually happening?
1: Well, well, there's a broader question here because the question is, what is the MHRA up to? The MHRA, if you remember, we reported it spent uh, a million and a half or two million pounds on an a a new AI system to track adverse reactions of these particular vaccines because they said that they, and they went past the normal uh, uh, procurement rules because they said that uh, the They were expecting so many reports from these vaccines that their that their legacy systems couldn't cope with it, so they needed a new system for that. Uh, We've seen uh, the first round of of Pfizer reports contained mathematical errors, uh, and now we see mathematical errors in this one as well. So what are they using this AI system for? It's not for yellow card, it seems, because an AI system must be able to count, surely. Uh, So these uh, these spreadsheets are clearly being Uh, produced by human beings. uh, And perhaps this is why um, the uh, spreadsheet is now behind a a login, uh, because they they have recognized that there are so many errors in the report uh, that they can't allow it to go to the public at this point.
0: So lots of questions. And if you share our concerns, then encourage you to get on the phone to the MHRA and to demand to know what's happening. Now, something that is happening and it's one of those things that sort of happens in plain sight, uh, but in the background is that our very own, <clears throat> excuse me, Michael Gove uh, has been visiting Israel. And this is apparently as he mulls over the vaccine passport options. Well, of course, if we're following what's happening in Israel at the moment, brutal actions by the Israeli government on its own people, um, is Michael Gove about to use that uh, brutal approach Uh, by the Israeli government to steer the Stasi vaccine passports in UK, particularly suspicious about this man, as he said publicly, he's a huge supporter of Zionism. So is he there for the benefit of the health of the wider UK population? Or is there some rather deeper political dealings going on? Well, of course, we don't know because it won't be reported.
1: Uh, Now in the chat box earlier, people talking about vaccine passports and the rumor that's doing the rounds at the moment that Boris has uh, given up on his idea of having vaccine passports required to go to pubs and restaurants. Um, And uh, the mainstream media coverage on this saying that he's focusing on large events. Well, of course, we talked about that on Friday with uh, the Brit Awards. Um, And uh, so it does look like they're mainly gonna begin the rollout of this with larger uh, events, and uh, as they'll see how it goes with that, and then they'll start moving it out uh, more broadly afterwards. But uh, th- the, this idea is not going to go away. Okay, let's uh, move on to other topics now and defense. And, uh, well, of course. Uh, Uh, The Indo-Pacific Tilt is in full swing at the moment. Uh, That should be making you laugh, Brian. I know it is making me laugh. Yeah. (laughs) So this is the UK's new carrier strike group. That's HMS Queen Elizabeth there. Uh, We've got two uh, F-35s in the foreground. Um, So this new uh, carrier strike group 2021, led by HMS Queen Elizabeth, is going to sail to India just by coincidence uh, in the autumn on its made an operational deployment. Uh, as a repre- as a representation of the Indo-Pacific tilt in the UK's foreign policy, yes. Um, so uh, this is the largest ship ever built by the largest ship ever built by the Royal Navy, the Government Crows, and it's going to sail to India, Japan, South Korea, Singapore, and the wider region. Um, and it's going to be there. It's going to cover twenty six thousand miles in total, uh, and it's going to comprise, aside from Queen Elizabeth, a type. Uh, Type-45 destroyers, HMS Defender and HMS Diamond. I hope the water's not too warm for those. (laughs) Uh, Type-23 anti-submarine frigates, HMS Kent and HMS Richmond. Uh, A a tanker and storage ships, uh, Fort Victoria and RFA Tidespring. Uh, And on the flight deck, you're going to see uh, some F-35s, apparently, um, except, uh, of course, uh, they're not British. Well, they're apparently RAF ones, but the BBC was talking about this this morning on the Today programme and the only person that they could get to talk about uh, flying the F-35 was an American. Uh, So he's apparently going on deployment uh, with this uh, because of course these aircraft being flown by the United States uh, Air Force uh, at the moment, the US Navy rather. And uh, so let's see, what else have we got? There's gonna be some Merlin uh, Mark II anti-submarine and airborne early warning helicopters and three Merlin Mk Mark IV, sorry, Commando helicopters, and also four Wildcat Maritime Attack helicopters. So this is really uh, spectac- spectacular stuff, and we're going to threaten the Chinese. Now, what is uh, ben, ben Wallace saying? Uh, when our carrier strike group sets sail next month, it will be flying the flag for global Britain, projecting our influence. Now, Brian, I'm wondering first of all, is it our influence we're going to be projecting? or is it COVID-19? Because it does surprise me that we're uh, sending thousands of men uh, to just about every part of the world over the next couple of months uh, in a time of a pandemic. How does that work?
0: Uh, well, because nothing to do with the pandemic makes sense. So you can make up the rest of the rules as you go along. Okay. And for these people, there's special rules.
1: Okay. And uh, he went on to say that this is signaling our power, engaging with our friends and reaffirming our commitment to addressing the security challenges of today and tomorrow, but this is the key point here to make a serious point for a second, uh, because this is about interoperability. It's more than that, it's about integration. Um, And the British government has said, this is gonna integrate us uh, more tightly with the United States and other uh, so-called NATO partners than we've ever seen before. Uh, This is is the direction that we are heading in because of course we don't have a military uh, defense capability which is in any way independently capable. Uh, We require uh, our um, allies, if we call them that. We
0: require the Americans or or, the better of the European military forces to be with us. That's the state of affairs
1: today. Yes. So we will be cooperating with uh, forces from Australia, Canada, Denmark, Greece, Israel, India, Italy, Japan, New Zealand, Oman, Republic of Korea, Turkey, the United Arab Emirates. um, And uh, without them, we can't operate.
0: Yeah, well, I believe this is a stepping stone to the global military. So we've uh, we've dealt with a European Defence Initiative, and now we're looking to the grouping up of uh, military forces in in a more global way. There's a lot to be thought about that.
1: Yes, and uh, well, keeping the pressure on Russia today, we're seeing more integrity initiative initiative style reports. This is the uh, uh, the Economist. Russia's president uh, menaces his people and neighbours. Um, and they're, th- this is an editorial from The Economist. Uh, they're talking about Biden's uh, sanctions against Russia, and how, against Russia and how great they are. Uh, but they're saying that uh, Putin had uh, displayed a colossal show of force uh, when he moved uh, military uh, material and men up to the border of Ukraine, uh, because you're not allowed to move your own military inside your own borders anymore, Brian. Um, and uh, his... Conspiracy is Putin's conspiracy theorist theory about the West trying to assassinate uh, Alexander Lukashenko, uh, the despot of next door Belarus. Uh, Mr. Putin is weaker than he looks, but that makes him dangerous. Facing protests at home, he may lash out abroad in Ukraine, Belarus or elsewhere. This is such nonsense. When deciding how to deter Mr. Putin, the West should be realistic. No one wants a war with a nuclear power and sanctions are often ineffective. Russia has uh, fashioned a siege economy, inward looking and stagnant, but hard for outsiders to throttle. Uh, Talk of an embargo on Russian oil and gas exports, meanwhile, is naive. And so they ask what what we should do about it in the West, and they say the aim of sanctions should be modest, not regime change, but to raise the cost uh, to Putin of aggression abroad and oppression at home. And Mr. Biden has made a good start imposing a raft of financial sanctions. and. That that is going to be tightened if Putin transgresses more. Uh, They say NATO should step up, so NATO needs to step up. It must strike a balance, reassuring Russia's neighbours without feeding the Kremlin's paranoia. It is just incredible. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing, Mike.
0: We're at the point in today's news where it is so utterly bizarre what we have to report. We don't know how to do it. So the economists there, not worth buying probably for that edition at least.
1: Um, and, uh, well, last uh, last week, we didn't get to cover this on Friday, Friday, I thought we would mention it. Uh, this is uh, Neil Bush, who's the UK's representative to the uh, OSCE, uh, and he was uh, talking about Russia and so on. And he had this to say, uh, the UK is deeply concerned by reports of Mr. Julian Assange's, oh, sorry, no, no, sorry, uh, he didn't say that. Uh, this He actually was talking about uh, uh, Alexander Navalny, uh, so that was that was not correct. Uh, this is what he actually said, the UK is deeply concerned by reports of Mr. Alexei Navalny's deteriorating health. Uh, and uh, he went on to say, and repeat our call for his immediate and unconditional release in line with the interim measure indicated by the European Court of Human Rights. Uh, he uh, then went on, the actions taken by the Russian authorities in recent months are further demonstration of the erosion of independent media and critical voices in Russia. Isn't that just a staggering statement to make? What a hypocrite. The erosion of independent media and critical voices. What about the erosion of independent media and critical voices in the UK, in the United States? I don't want to talk of, about those. No, like. <laughs> we don't want to talk about those at all. So, uh, okay, I think we're uh, just about done for today, but let's leave it with this because uh, uh, Brian has shown these types of, uh, of images uh, before on the UK column, but this is somebody else uh, tweeting this out, Jane Kerr. Uh, saying seriously what does this mean and uh, driving along the motorway and the sign on the motorway uh, uh, gantry says uh, plan ahead stay safe and save lives (laughs) so uh, and she's asking seriously what does this mean
0: well I would say that you're clearly not planning ahead if you're reading the sign because you're not watching the traffic in front of you so there's there's a (laughs) range of issues we could raise here but of course this is just big brother dross isn't it being pumped to you by these gantries and somebody can correct me, but I think I heard the other day that actually the um, smart motorways have apparently been a failure, and they're going to withdraw some of the smart motorway program.
1: Uh, well, uh, so
0: how are we going to get up the big government signs? I don't, I don't know.
1: No, I no, I don't know either. But anyway, I just wanted to put up the uh, be- probably the best response to that, uh, which was this one. Uh, I think you need these special sunglasses to understand it. Properly, just saying. And of course, that's from... uh, They live. They live.
0: live. Uh, Well, we're going to end on a little bit more good news. And thank you for the person who spotted this uh, Telegraph uh, advert. The Telegraph has really now declared itself cheaper than toilet paper. So if we end up with any more problems with supply of loo rolls, you know where to go. Uh, Let's see what they have to say. It says, uh, little by little, the days are growing brighter as flowers return to glorious bloom and restrictions are eased. It feels like the world is becoming a little more vibrant after so many long months of darkness. There has never been a better time to become a Telegraph subscriber and gain unrivaled clarity on the colorful days ahead. Join us today and you'll enjoy your first three months of a digital subscription for just one pound in total. So there we are. The Telegraph has finally declared that it's actually little point in buying it. It'll be free shortly. Um, so things are improving. And well done to the uh, very uh, skilled people who managed to post some use, <laughs> useful stickers at one of the protests. Let's have a look at this little picture here, uh, where we've got a couple of very smart police uh, oh, okay, officers. Yeah. And uh, this is what they were carrying. There's a spike in cases because more people are getting tested. If we had more IQ tests, there'd be a spike in morons too. Uh, And the media is the virus. So poor old police, they're doing a little bit of um, fly posting. I think it's called. Yes. Uh, Probably we should end there. Yes, that's it. Okay, we'll say thank you very much to all our supporters again for that tremendous response to our plea for help. Uh, We haven't got any intention of going away. We're going to do our best to expand in the face of what is obviously central government censorship aimed at the UK column. And um, you will help us to uh, counter that ultimately. So thank you for that support. And I'll end by saying a big thank you to Marie from uh, Romania, who kindly put on a uh, telegram. conference call last night. There were 283 people at at the maximum and uh, we had some very interesting discussion about what was happening in the country and we were delighted to be joined by John Wedger who was able to say that his uh, um, tribunal with the police had ended after a mere two days. Uh, He did not receive any compensation from the police for his dismissal for trying to take the lid off the cover up of child abuse by the Metropolitan Police. Uh, But it was clear that the police wanted to extract themselves from his tribunal as fast as possible. So that's the situation in UK. If You tell the truth about the abuse of children. You can expect the police to be visiting you. Um, well, and playing music in Hyde Park, Mike.
1: Yes. Now, look, we're not going to do an extra today. If you don't mind, uh, a few of you saying in the chat box, or you're having trouble getting on the website, uh, as we came on the news, that's because actually, uh, we're now reaching the limit of the infrastructure that we've got there, cause there's so many of you now trying to get on. Um, so, uh, we're going to go and do a little bit of work to continue to try to improve that situation. And I would just say, you know, if uh, on Wednesday. Uh, if you want to sort of mitigate that slightly, uh, open the the live page a little bit earlier. So try to stagger when you come to the site from, say, 12.30, between 12.30 and 1.00, and then there's much more likelihood of not having problems. If everybody comes on at the same time at one minute to 1.00, then it's uh, it's tricky.
0: Yes. Excellent. That's it for today. We'll be back at the same time on Wednesday. Thanks very much for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.